Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Really excited about today's program. We're going to be taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the hour. 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Right, Brian, where do you want to start on today's program? Uh, what's our topic? Farmer Friday. <laughs> you know, a lot of, lot of questions about... Uh, the, okay, so this week, here, here's a summary of this week's top questions. Uh, guys putting on fall nitrogen and just asking a lot of questions about, can I do it this way? Can I do it that way? Different forms of nitrogen, different types of uh, application equipment, that kind of thing. And trying to save money on fertilizer overall. And then I also think about uh, situations like even on our own farm when we're going to be seeding some alfalfa next spring. What do you do to set up for that? And and there's a little bit of debate around that as well. Do you do, you do it? Do you load up on three years of fertility at today's prices? Okay, so this is why I asked what our what our topic is because I could talk all day about just farming in general, but I was curious if you had anything uh, that was top of mind for you. The nitrogen thing really has been top of mind for me, and the two reasons why are, number one, I've never seen so much nitrogen left in the ground from the year before, this fall, and two, because of, obviously, the sky-high nitrogen prices. I don't remember what nitrogen got to back in 2008, but I don't think it got this high. So Roundup, we're just about there now, but I don't think... I, 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 I mean, it hasn't gone above the level of 2008, but I'm pretty sure this is the highest price nitrogen's ever been when you start talking more than a dollar a pound. So really the biggest thing that I'm suggesting to the farmers that I'm talking to is, number one, make sure you are soil testing this fall, because if you aren't, you might be putting more nitrogen on than you need. I, I know we would have on our farm had we not tested all our ground. And two, if you're going to put fall nitrogen out, I really like anhydrous. I just, I can't bring myself to put on, I mean, other than a few pounds of, let's say it's urea or liquid 28%, I'm just not going to do much. And I mean, we do put some ammonium sulfate out there, but you know, here again, like on our farm, we put 150 pounds out. Okay. So what does that give you? 30 pounds of nitrogen. It's just no big deal. So we typically are going to advise somebody, if you don't want to put anhydrous out in the fall, just wait till spring, put it on in the spring. And the other thing that we're doing on our farm is nitrogen got really high priced and we have so much carryover nitrogen. Honestly, we're going to wait until side dress time for the balance of it. And I'm just hoping and praying that the nitrogen price will be down a little bit by the early part of June. We'll see what happens. But I just figured how much more could it possibly go up? Whereas I've got eight months from now until it could potentially go down. Yeah. A lot of questions around that. No doubt about it. A lot of questions on tillage too. And we've had a lot of feedback with that this week and, and also about organic matter. Cause we mentioned, well, how do we have as much nitrogen left that, that we do? Well, you think about it, we've got some pretty high organic matter levels like 5% could be even better in some spots where when we have a hot year and, and really two hot years in a row, we've got a lot of mineralization that's happening out there. You want to right. dive into uh, an organic matter discussion here? Sure. Got a question that came in from Justin and he said, can you build organic matter if you are doing tillage, whether it's vertical tillage, sure. conventional tillage, what's been your experience? Yeah, absolutely. 
Francis Childs did mini moldboard plowing and he was still building soil organic matter. But if you're going to do tillage, then you have to overcome the tillage with having tremendous crop, lots of residue, raising probably continuous corn and using manure. So, I, I, I mean, the, if, well, let's just put it this way. Tillage is number one. If you want to build soil organic matter the fastest, you will cut your tillage completely. You can still build organic matter doing some tillage, but like I say, just understand you've got to have crops with lots of roots like corn. You want to use manure or compost. Um, you could use some cover crops and then some biological products as well would help a little bit. But yeah, there are, there are certainly lots of ways to do it. And I, I would say building soil organic matter not only is fantastic for your ground, but we've been talking about this a lot lately. If you are believing in the whole climate change topic, well, that's really number one is building soil organic matter. That means you're going to put more carbon into the ground than is going up in the air. And we as farmers, and quite frankly, biofuels as the energy source, are the only ones who can be below zero on that carbon index scale. So all good stuff, super fantastic for the ground, building soil organic matter, at least up to a certain level. Yeah, we got some feedback from Hugh. If you remember, for our listeners here, if you were listening yesterday, we were talking about plants and carbon dioxide, and Hugh had a totally different take with, with completely different information than we're seeing a lot in the press. And uh, Hugh just had a follow-up for us, Brian. He said, it should be noted CO2 levels are now maxed out as far as warming's concerned. Adding more CO2 or more CO2 will actually not produce more warm, warming. He said, good example would be like painting a red barn white. After three or four coats, all the red's gone, and adding a fifth or sixth or tenth coat doesn't make the barn more white. We're at that point with CO2, and this is what Hugh's saying here. He said adding more will not increase the warming from current levels. However, uh, he goes on to say adding more CO2 by burning fossil fuels will actually decrease irrigation needs as plants need lots of water to, to deal with the uh, while working to get CO2 out of the air. So as they're trying to get CO2, if they can't get enough, they use more water, use water inefficiently, which, you know, you think about it, uh, carbon and sure. oxygen and hydrogen are essential nutrients for our plants. They're just taking them right. out of the atmosphere. So it's a little bit different. Well, anyway, Hugh just said, uh, yep. it's, it's fairly lengthy, but he said in the end, he said, check out Princeton physics professor, uh, the dean of the physics department at Princeton, William Happer. He's published over 200 papers on physics and several on this warming question and has a lot to say. He's also on YouTube. And he said, we are being played. You guys are smart. You know this. Uh, Hugh, really appreciate all the info. I love anyone that challenges the thinking and says, look, here's some data. Uh, take a look at this. Uh, great stuff, Hugh. Really appreciate that. Again, that's William Happer, who's uh, Dean of the Physics Department at Princeton. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. 
Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, January 11th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in-depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, fertility requirements, and ways you can make your crop more resistant to stresses like drought and disease. We'll be covering this and much more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio, taking your calls and questions all throughout the show. 844-44-AG-PHD is the number to call. Also, you can email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head out to the East Coast. We've got Cameron with us right now in Virginia. Cam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Mr. Hepp? Well, pretty good. Pretty good. I hear it's been a struggle getting some beans and some other crops out in the East Coast. How about on your farm? How are you guys coming along? The corn came off great. We had perfect weather, and it dried down fairly good and didn't have any issues with corn. But beans have been a different story as far as getting them dry. They were running 15 to 18%, and we were trying to dry them. And I don't like drying beans because it splits them too bad and caused a little bit of damage. But the last week, last 10 days, they dried down to about 10 or 12%, and we were able to cut a good bit of them last week and got about another five, 600 acres, and we'll be wrapped up with the beans. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's been really stressful. When I, I know I talked to some other guys not too far away from me, and they said they were just hanging out around 18% forever, seemingly, and yes. they, they couldn't get the dry yep. down. Yep, we had the same issue here in Virginia, and it's not just right here. It's all over the whole state, so it's been a issue. But luckily, the folks at Purdue and at Schooler have been taking beans up to 15% without any dockage. So that's helped all the farmers out, so we really appreciate the elevators helping us out in these difficult times trying to get everything in at a timely fashion. Yeah, they're just some unusual years out there. And I think for, for not our non-farm listeners, they, they're like, what are you guys talking about here? Well, depending on what the weather is, we are so at risk as farmers with our crop out in the field. And if we get nice, sunny, warm days, no problem. Just like what, what Cameron's saying here, that, hey, as soon as the sun comes out and it warms up and there's a little breeze, they'll dry down like they normally would and we can harvest them. But if there's too much moisture in the bean themselves, 
it just won't store well, which is why processors don't like them. So uh, what you mentioned there, Cameron, that, that you had some uh, some buyers taking the beans wetter just to try to help the farmers out. I mean, that's definitely not a good situation for them to be in, but I really, I think that's really cool how uh, a lot of people in ag yes. have to pull together. We, we definitely have appreciated that from Purdue and from school or both uh, going the extra mile to try to help us out here. And that's, made harvest go a lot smoother for a lot of guys don't have enough storage for the crop to be able to go ahead and harvest and get it out the field and at least get it sold so really do appreciate them stepping up and helping us out so how did that change any fall field work that you had to do if you had the corn out were you able to do some things out in those fields while you're waiting for the beans to come around or have you still got a lot of work to do after after you get these last few beans out Generally, um, just run a turbo till or bush hog stalks, and that's pretty much all we're going to do in the fall ourselves. Uh, other guys that are planting cover crops and all, which having the corn come off in a fairly early uh, season this year on the corn, then we've gotten real good start on whatever small grains we're planted in cover crops. So been pretty weather. We've been in the 70s the last week or so, so everything's come up and looks great and had enough moisture to get all the cover crops and the small grains up so overall things have worked out pretty well this fall other than just having issues with the soybeans drying down and humidity is an issue here i'm sure you don't have that big an issue out there but here we have a good bit of trouble with high humidity days being 60 70 80 percent this time of year at times yeah so that definitely keeps the beans damp Absolutely. Yeah. If we, if we don't have, uh, it's gotta be under 68% to get beans to dry down at all. And obviously if it's drier than that, they dry down faster. But, uh, when, yeah, yep. when you've got 70, 80% humidity or a hundred percent, which, uh, it just looked like you guys kept catching little storms and I don't know, it didn't look like you necessarily got huge rains every time. Were you getting any big rains too, or is it mostly just, uh, throwing little bits of rain out at you just kept coming? Mostly, mostly like you're saying, just little small rains here and there like last night we had a half inch and that's enough to set us back for a couple of days but we haven't had any real big rain so it hasn't really set in and rained for several days and gotten the ground super wet so we're in, still in good shape we still got another two to three weeks of really good weather here so hopefully we'll have everything wrapped up by thanksgiving so go feast on some turkey <laughs> that sounds great well hey Cameron, thank you so much really appreciate having you i really appreciate the update and good luck to you here Yes, sir. You have a good year and a good rest of your fall, and we'll talk to you soon. You bet. Thanks. Let's head out to western Kansas. I'm betting it might be drier out there. we got John with us right now. John, how's it going? Oh, not too bad, and actually sitting in the combine right now. Oh, awesome. There isn't much better place to be. and I mean, you want it, you want it to come to an end sooner or later, but uh, it's kind of fun while it's going on. Yeah, hopefully today will be the last day. i got about 30, 35 acres left. So. Oh man, I don't want to jinx you, John, by making you say that. <laughs> oh, we had a farmer on, uh, I think, two weeks ago that had six acres left and he had a breakdown. And I'm like, oh yeah. no, I don't want to talk to anybody else on the last day. But is it going pretty good? Has the crop been decent? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, I don't know exactly where we're going to end up, but it could be real close to being the best. Uh, fall harvest we've ever had so wow that's, that's awesome that's always a good thing especially with the prices that we got so absolutely now what are you in right now are you in corn are you in sorghum what what crop are you harvesting sorghum yeah uh, at this point we have not planted any corn for a few years 
Um, we just never really could get it to work. I think we're going to try some more next year, but pretty big sorghum area around here. Um, it does real well, especially when we get those hot days there in August. Uh, it'll tend to hold on a little better than some of the corn will at times. Sure. Yep, absolutely. Um, okay, so so let me ask you this question. Where does the sorghum go? Are you feeding it up? Are you hauling it to suppliers? What what are you seeing there? Uh, both. We have a grow yard, so we're feeding some of it. And uh, then there's an ethanol plant that was, up until last year when the bases flipped around on us, was still taking uh, sorghum and making ethanol out of sorghum. And then, uh, of course, last year with the huge export market, most of it got on a train and went to China. Yep. No, it's good to have some options. That's that's really nice. What has been your experience feeding that versus feeding corn? Well, it's uh, where we're just using it to grow cattle. Um, it does a real nice job in the ration. We don't have to worry about them putting on too much flesh when we're growing them versus the corn is a little hotter. Uh, so you kind of got to regulate it just a little bit more. But for our operation where we're growing, uh, it works real well. It usually goes into the ration a little cheaper just because of the basis and the usage and everything with the corn. Sure, sure. That, uh, last year we actually ended up selling all of our sorghum and buying corn back because the basis was so much different we made a nice little chunk of change doing that so awesome yeah pay pay some other guys to to raise the corn and you need to make something that is going to be a little more profitable that's awesome it's nice when you get those opportunities it's it, you mentioned the export market and i know just over the last few years here it's been on again off again and man when it's on and there's a good export market for sorghum that's that's an excellent crop yeah and it I say it, it does pretty well here and it's like everything else. Um, you know, the genetics that they're pushing have gotten a lot better. Our yields have gotten better and we've also learned to fertilize a little better too. I think, um, sure. Some different clinics, uh, some of yours doing a lot of research, um, on just how to kind of fertilize everything and reading soil tests better. We've been getting full soil samples for, a number of years but didn't really know how to read stuff and i actually did go to one of your clinics here two or three years ago in the area and that made a huge difference awesome um, awesome I really then started boiling looking back on all of our soil samples and kind of comparing yields with soil samples and yeah it, it pretty well went right by what you guys say all the time with the potassium and the zinc to phosphorus ratios and where things were closer to where they, the kind of ideal levels that you guys talk about, our yields were definitely better. So we've been trying to go into the rest of our fields and get things a little more evened up and get them towards those levels, and it has made a difference. Awesome. That is so good to hear. Yeah, it has for us too, and it's it's been fun comparing notes. This is something that I know we talk about a lot. It's it's just so beneficial when we can compare notes with other farmers and see, hey, this is what we're seeing. Are you seeing the same thing? John, thank you for sharing that. Really glad that, that things are working out well for you. Good luck here on, on hopefully the last day of harvest for you as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. 
Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Nothing waits for a farmer. Not the weather, the banker, the crops. It's never at a farmer's convenience. So when it comes to crop protection savings programs, how come they get to ask you to wait for a rebate? Don't wait for rebates. Get the True Choice offer from Corteva AgriScience for instant upfront savings on crop protection products. Ask your local Pioneer sales representative or your crop protection retailer about the True Choice offer from Corteva. But don't wait. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 12th and 13th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the most important two days that you spend in your farming career, and it's all free. So register now at agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. It takes a team to beat resistant weeds. Experts agree using multiple herbicides with alternate modes of action increases your chances of beating resistant weeds. Tough 5EC is a selective, contact herbicide for post-emergence control of broadleaf weeds, especially herbicide-resistant strains. Tough 5EC is a perfect teammate, having a synergistic effect with HPBD inhibitors and enhances products in the PS2 group. Make Tough 5EC part of your winning team. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelchamUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. I love Farmer Fridays on Ag PhD Radio. Get to talk to people all over. We'd love to chat with you today, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD if you'd like to call in. Also, you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com is the address. Let's head down to Iowa. we got Chris with us right now. All right, Chris, I was talking to a custom tiler in your part of the country just yesterday. And he said, I can't believe how much better soil moisture conditions are. We're pulling tile plows through like butter. Uh, it's it, or like running a knife through butter. It's been awesome. What are you seeing in your part of the state of Iowa? Are you seeing soil moisture levels back up again from a year ago? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're definitely doing a lot better. Uh, about uh, two weeks ago, 
we got about four inches of rain, and then here uh, this week we got another inch. So we're we're sitting pretty good right now. I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah, going into next year, I know my dad always talked about that too. He's like, if I got soil moisture, I feel like I got a chance of raising a, a crop dry land here. But how about harvest? You guys got it all wrapped up, I'm assuming, by now? Yeah, we finished uh, exactly a week ago today. So yeah, we got a we we got done and uh, we we started to pull a little anhydrous this week. But like I said, we got rained out. So you know, the anhydrous one has been a uh, we've had a lot of questions about that. And obviously, uh, we've seen differences as we travel around the country where it's available, where it's not. Because we used to use some anhydrous, and there just isn't any that's close to us anymore. Have you still got local suppliers there? And and what are they saying about? It? Have they changed how they're doing things or any of the rules? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, right now, uh, if you didn't lock it in early, it's really expensive, but we have, uh, actually three places locally. You can still get it. And, uh, it comes in from the river on the east side of the state. So it's not super far away. So it's, it's pretty available for us, but we have other options as well. Well, I know the price this year looked, you're, you're right. It's really expensive, but it's still a lot cheaper than some of the other sources of N. So I, I, I certainly understand why you'd want to do it. Did you do any soil testing yet on your fall this year or on your farm this year? Are you seen anything interesting? Um, not in particular. I mean, uh, we, we're starting to get a few, uh, low soil pHs and some stuff like that, but I mean, that's always going to happen so we'll do a little liming this winter and uh but other than that all our nutrient levels and everything are really good okay good good yeah we had better than we expected crops and i think in some cases we're going to have to put on a little more than we wanted to and uh we had a little carryover end though we were kind of actually happy about that with some of our higher organic matter soils with just as much heat as we had this last year how, how did crops turn out down there did you were you surprised by the yields at all or was it about what you're expecting uh, yeah, we were, uh, I knew our soybeans were going to be, uh, really good, but our, our corn, like it just felt like it was kind of hurting a little bit all summer. Like we just kind of seemed like we were on that knife's edge for rain. And I mean, it was, I bet 20 bushels better. Our, our farm average is probably 20 bushels better than I thought it was going to be. Wow. So, awesome. Yeah, it was way better than I thought it was going to be. The test weight was really there this year though, which helped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's a good thing because we, we were talking about that. We've had several people talk to us about why, why were yields better than we thought. And in some cases we saw just some deeper kernels. It seemed like there was a little bit of flex for kernel depth this year. And uh, you're right. If you get that good 60 uh, pound test weight, uh, that makes a big difference in yield. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like last summer, I mean, I would have thought we were going to be a little better than we were. And like, it was it was the opposite, you know. Our test weight just wasn't really there last year, and this year we were back to more normal or above average on test weight, and that helped out a lot. Yeah, yeah, it makes a big difference. All right, so fall tillage and so forth. You say you're doing some anhydrous right now, may do some liming later. Do you till after you get the lime on, or how, how do you guys normally do things? Uh, we typically don't do any tillage. The only thing we run in the ground is an anhydrous bar. So, okay. I mean, that's gotcha. kind of our only thing. Uh, we run a lot of cover crops. Uh, we, we get it with the timing. We can get it done on about 60% of our acres. Uh, and we really like that system. Um, and then we're trying some other stuff, uh, with some different groups to, 
to kind of plant some stuff early in the fall to help maybe produce some nitrogen for the next corn crop so we can cut back on some of those things too. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. We did uh, more cover crop this year than we've done too. And it really turned out good. We had, like you did, the fall rains and we still had a warm fall. I mean, goodness, we didn't really freeze very much until, well, just the last couple of days here. So that's, that's awesome when you can get that going. I know my brother, even who's been a little skeptical, he didn't think we could get as much of a cover crop established as we did this year. He's like, wow, that really looks good, especially on some of our hilly ground that we'd be worried about erosion. So yeah, really glad that worked out for us and glad, glad you're doing some experiments too. Hopefully you learned something you can share with us going forward. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. And and we did a, just to help us get more done this year, we did a bunch of, uh, we spread our cover into our beans. Uh, we have a high boy with a dry box on it and uh, we spread it in right before they started dropping leaves. Just, uh, you know, help, it saves a little cost and you can get it done a little faster and you're not harvesting. And, and that turned out really well. But again, we had the moisture to kind of get it going too. So that makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank goodness for that. That's for sure. Well, Chris, uh, so glad to hear you got all wrapped up with harvest and, and hopefully it dries out soon enough. You can get this anhydrous and other jobs. You got to get down the fall. It seems like it's never ending in the fall. If the weather's okay, there's plenty to do all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. We got a little over a third of our anhydrous on before it started raining again. So, I mean, if anything, at least we got something done. So you bet. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Really appreciate talking to you today and and good luck here the rest of the fall. Yep. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Let's head down to Kansas. We got Luke with us right now. Luke, how's it going? Good. How are you guys doing up there? You know, we got all the crap in the bin, so so we're really happy. I don't know. If we can get all our fall work done, that'd be wonderful. But even if we don't, hey, all the crap made it in, and we got a good price for what we sold, so we're, we're pretty happy. You bet. You bet. Well, I'll I tell you, I'm, we're a little bit on the other end of it. We're not quite done, and and uh, I think next week we ought to finish up with our Milo, and we've got one late circle of corn that got hailed out that uh, – about five days ago, hand shelled at 29. So, you know, fall weather, it doesn't dry down very fast. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's for sure. <clears throat> so it may be, may be a little bit on that, but uh, kind of wondering, you know, I heard your brother talking about kind of waiting on the ammonia, you know, or the nitrogen. Uh, yeah, I can't find a, a Q1 price right now. Um, and then I'm, I, I'm wondering what his thoughts would be on availability as well on, on a, just a lot of the fertilizer, you know, that, that's yeah. coming up with, with different things happening in the world. No, I, I totally hear what you're saying on that. And we've, we've talked about that too. We're, we're rolling the dice that availability is going to be there. Uh, so I, I sure, certainly wouldn't blame anyone if they said, you know, even if I'm not using it till next year, I'm going to stock up right now. I'll, I'll use a shed yeah. or I'll pile it or I'll do something to, to do it. And I know. I know what you mean. Nobody wants to price anything going out a little ways. They'll just price you what's on hand today. So that always makes me yeah. nervous too. And then what, what are you guys' thoughts on uh, on your cropping? I mean, are, are you guys going to crop, or what are you hearing from other guys even? Are you, are you guys cropping a lot different because of, of some of the fertilizer situations, or are you kind of keeping it the same, or what, what are you hearing and seeing that's that's a great question. Just yesterday, Brian and I were. Brian's a big spreadsheet guy. He always likes to lay it out on a spreadsheet, and so he can just 
switch numbers up real quick. And so we were going through some different scenarios, but I, I think the dollars are still there where we're going to make money raising corn in our geography. So we're going to raise yeah. a, even a little bit more corn than we did this year. We're hearing from so many guys saying they're going to raise more beans and that sure looks smart right. on paper, but we've got a bunch of carryover in on our farm. We got some high organic matter soils. We've had two hot summers in a row and we had so much mineralization. We've got a hundred pounds or more of N out there on a lot of the ground. So great. we're like, if we got a hundred pounds of N for free, we're going to raise corn. Yeah. Well, that that's a hundred dollars an acre, depending on what your nitrogen. Exactly. Is. Exactly. <laughs> well, you're right. It's a buck a pound. So I, I don't know. That was our yeah. thought anyway. Well, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, you know, if enough guys switch to something different, um, the corn price may, may fall in line and it, it may come on up some more. And, and so we were, a little bit the same thought process that well maybe let's just kind of keep doing what we're doing and and uh kind of edge forward i guess yeah and we talked to a lot of farmers that say i'm just staying with my rotation i know it looks better yeah. for one crop or another right now but you know how the markets can change overnight and all of a sudden it looked like a good corn year and now it's going to be a good bean year or a good sorghum year or whatever it's it just is kind of what it is yeah well luke well, thanks that, that's right Thanks for the convo. Yeah, thank Thanks for the guys. questions. Uh, it is stuff that we're talking about every day here about, man, how are we going to do these things with the way prices are right now? We'll, we'll talk more about that as Farmer Friday continues. Stay tuned. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor herbicide brands. Always read and follow label directions. One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improving drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Monday, January 31st, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or you're looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, NRCS guidelines, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details and to register, go to agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other AgPhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Fertilizer prices spiked this year. 
As you plan your fall anhydrous applications, how will you protect that investment? NSERV Nitrogen Stabilizer is the only product with 45 years of proven results. NSERV protects nitrogen below ground where up to 70% of loss happens, keeping it in the root zone for up to eight additional weeks. And NSERV is shown to increase yield potential by an average of 7% when used with fall applications. Don't settle for anything less than the trusted protection of NSERV. For more information, visit nitrogenmaximizers.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us on a Farmer Friday. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head north of the border up to Saskatchewan. we got Mark with us right now. Mark, how's it going? Good, Darren. How are you doing? Well, pretty good. We're getting our first little taste of winter down here. How about you guys? Uh, we got our first taste on Wednesday and ended up getting actually quite a bit of snow. So all field operations are done for the year. Yeah, yeah, we've got just a little dusting, and there's there's supposedly, at least on the forecast, they say we're going to warm back up over 50 next week, so that snow will be short-lived if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, it looks like uh, we're we're starting to settle into winter here now, and we're, I think they're forecasting a fair bit more snow for Monday, Tuesday, so that'll be it till spring for us. Yeah, all right, so what happens now? Is, uh, is this heated shop season where all the equipment comes inside and you just start working on equipment or you got other things to do yeah that's correct uh some truck maintenance and uh, lots of grain hauling going on right now um lots of guys just sitting in the office planning like on the farm side uh, i've got some grain bags to pick up and some grain to some bins to roll and on the agronomy business side uh, we're actually still soil sampling and uh Right now, actually, me and Michelle are just heading out to the field to pull soil moisture probes and weather stations, and uh, we're still mapping electrical conductivity as well. Yeah, it's it's amazing all the things there are to do. You mentioned the office work too, and oh uh, man, there's it's no fun. But at the end of harvest season, you got a lot of stuff to do, bills to pay, and uh, things to track down and whatnot, and getting ready with taxes and everything else. Yeah, no, I'm I'm kind of like Brian. I'm a spreadsheet guy. I like spend lots of time crunching numbers and building that plan for next year. Yeah. So what is the game plan for next year? Is it stay with your normal rotation or are you starting to see economics really shift for one crop or another that you're going to plant more or less of? Well, you know, up in Northeast Saskatchewan here, we're very diverse in our rotation and uh, there's going to be quite the acreage battle come 22. You know, we're looking at 45 bushel, um, flax prices and we're looking at really good prices for oats, peas, um, malt and feed barley. So I think a lot of guys will stay diverse in their rotations and uh, with, you know, Western Canada as a whole had some pretty poor crops for the most part, probably the, the worst crop in 20 years. So there's a lot of groceries to work with. So we're actually 
trying our best to shovel uh, shift uh, crops around to match some of those resources that are in the ground right now. Sure, sure. You know, you mentioned that the acreage battle for for next year, and and that's a real deal. And for anyone that's listening, that's not a farmer, and and you you may be wondering what we're talking about here, man. When there's good markets, they've got to bid up to try and get some of these acres. Otherwise, uh, like you say, we'll just forget about flax and head to something else if if the market's not great for that, because we got good markets in other crops. Yeah, and it's you know like we're we're a heavy uh, canola country. A lot, lot of canola grown here, but at the same time, some of these other crops are looking very profitable and maybe don't require as uh, much fertilizer. So with the increase in fertilizer, some of these other crops are looking quite attractive. Yeah, it's the same same thing down where we farm. A lot of guys talking about soybeans just to get out of the corn and wheat where there's dollar a pound uh, nitrogen and, and, man, phosphorus and potassium are heading that direction too. And and then supplies. Are, are yeah. you seeing the same supply issues? We're seeing that we just had uh, uh, Luke on. He's down in Kansas, and he said he can't even get a price for first quarter of next year delivery. And he's like, man, the, the prices they got right now aren't good either. Yeah, no, we're seeing seeing the same thing here. I know I tried to book some glyphosate and glyphosate and uh, thousand liter shuttles last week and couldn't find anything. Oh, yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting season, no doubt. All right, so you mentioned you're in heavy canola country up there. When you look at canola and the the different oils that we can grow, I just had somebody talking to me about high oleic soybeans. What are you seeing in the canola market right now? Is there a certain demand for one type of canola over another in your part of the world? Um, yeah, I would say so. Um, we have a bungie crusher up in the northeast here that does a lot of the high oleic acid. And uh, there's a premium on top of that, and uh, I would say they probably uh, most of that that type of canola oil is grown up in the northeast here. Okay, so the question that we had on the soybeans, and a lot of times when we get something with different oil content down here, and and maybe it's the same with canola, is oh, oftentimes those varieties have a little bit of yield drag, and you're just wondering, will the premium uh, cover any potential yield drag? And when a year like this where crop prices are high, that's tough to do. How about with the canola? Do you still have high-yielding varieties with high oleic oil, or or do you have to take a little bit of a yield penalty there and hope to make it up with the premium? I, I would say some of those uh, specialty oils or the IP canolas are probably not as consistent in yield as some of the high-yielding varieties. But on the same note, I mean, there's some years where they do very well or or very consistent with some of the other varieties. So it seems to be very hit or miss. Okay. All right. So right now it's trucking, equipment maintenance, office work, uh, some more soil sampling and things going on in the field. Uh, going forward here with the soil sampling and, and other projects, uh, is that mainly towards next year's in-crop fertility or do you do some spring fertility? How do you normally work things? Well, um, we, we typically actually do a lot of fall anhydrous here. So we soil sample ahead of, of that application, build prescriptions as needed. Uh, and then we do a lot of um, reduced tillage, minimum tillage or one pass seeding here. And uh, so a lot of, uh, majority of the fertility goes down right at seeding time. And okay. then we have maybe another, say, 25% um, 
of of a small percentage of growers would would apply in season. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Just everything's a little bit different. We're we're working on a plan. We're going to seed some alfalfa next spring. And we got an opportunity that came up that looks like that would be a good way for us to diversify. And so we were we did all the soil sampling this fall, but it looks like we're going to maybe still get, I think the snow is going to go away that we've got, and we'll still get some fertility out there uh, yet this fall so we can seed that in the spring. But, yeah, every, everybody's got a little different strategy on that. I know some of the other guys that are putting in some spring alfalfa for a, a new dairy that's popped up. Uh, they're they're just going to try and do everything in the spring. I, we just don't get that much consistent yeah. rainfall here. I thought if we get it out in the fall, at least we got a shot that that we'll get some snow melt and and other things to to get that stuff going. Right, right. We do a lot of we do a, have a lot more guys doing elemental sulfur in the fall. So, and high a lot of nitrogen and uh, elemental sulfur. And I have been pushing really hard to get guys to to actually band. Uh, P and K on farm instead of focusing on the nitrogen. And to be honest with you, this hasn't come up um, much in the past, but just recently guys starting to talk about strip till up in the Northeast here, which I know you guys have been doing for many years now, right? Yep. Yep. We have, what, what's your moisture situation right now? And I mean, I mean, I know you got snow on the ground at this point, but it, when you say you had the worst year in 20 years up there, is that just bone dry? Yeah. Yeah. Very, um, I think the last, the, the last, year we had this little rainfall or this little starting moisture was uh 2001 and we uh, we have some areas that are okay but i would say majority of western canada is freezing up very dry up up in the northeast here we're like we're just pulling soil moisture probes right now i think we're sitting with about three inch of three inches of crop available water so if i were to get 50 percent of my in my winter precipitation and 50% of my in season, I'm actually not sitting at that bad of yield goals for next year. Okay. So dry, but a lot, a lot of dry, a lot of, a lot of concern. Guys are, guys are worried. Yeah. If we would have had to rain, it would have taken a lot of stress off guys' shoulders. Yep. Well, hopefully you guys catch snow. I know our, our neighbors to the North here in North Dakota, they, they've been hoping for some snow in a lot of areas up there too, to try and, replenish things and then i don't know the thing i like about snow if it lands and it stays put hopefully it'll it'll melt right in soak right in so hopefully you guys get that too mark hey mark great talking to you uh you can go play with your spreadsheets now and you and you and brian can do that all you like uh we really appreciate the chance to talk to you though thanks yeah thanks darren good luck with the rest of harvest you bet it's farmer friday and ag phd radio we'll be right back after this It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. 
Conditioning low moisture beans to 13% can add semi loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end zone bin system. Use promo code 13 for 13 at farmshopmfg.com. How do you make 300 bushel corn on your farm? I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, February 1st, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that rob yield potential. If you want a roadmap to 300 bushel corn and beyond, don't miss the free Ag PhD Corn Agronomy Workshop. Register now at agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events that we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in soybeans and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information that we can't wait to share with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We welcome your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Get a little feedback here from Diego down in Argentina. He said we're 20 days from tassel. We got two inches of rain coming tomorrow night. And he sent a picture. He said, I just wanted to share how crops are in our part of the world. Man, that looks fantastic, Diego. That's awesome. I uh, love it when uh, I see other farmers being successful. Hopefully you have a great crop down there. Uh, when when you think about all things that go into a crop, though, fertility is another one of the big things we've talked about a little bit today with a few of our guests that are on, and I'll, I'll bring Brian back on here. Uh, Brian, we were we had a question from Tyrone about high pH soils and uh, and phosphorus that's pretty decent too. He said in his his soil test, he didn't send us the results yesterday, but he said I've got uh, boy the p okay he's got high pH soil. Low phosphorus, it's only 6.8 parts per million, 129 parts per million of potassium, uh, 222 parts per million of magnesium, 233 of calcium. So it doesn't seem like the heaviest soil out there when you've only got 200 parts per million of calcium and magnesium in the soil. But 2,424 parts per million of sulfur. That tells me we got some drainage challenges. 8.8 parts per million of boron. Um 1,242 parts per million of sodium. Man, we've really got a challenge. And a 28 CEC? 
Uh, oh, my goodness. I think I'm reading it backwards. 16.8 CEC, 28 parts per million of sodium. Oh, okay. I see. It was backwards here. <laughs> well, it was, this, it was this weird. This for great radio, dude. Yeah. I, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> well, he's got the way it's listed out, Tyrone. It was a little confusing to me, obviously. Um, so, okay. Phosphorus, 129 parts per million. There we go. And because it said 6.8 pH, and he was talking about high pH, 6.8's not high. That's that's almost ideal for pH. 129 parts per million of phos and 222 parts per million of potassium. So it's so it's pretty good, pretty good on the phos. Maybe it could be a little bit better on the the potassium at a 16.8 CEC. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where you've got high phosphorus. My my only solution to that is growing good crops. Uh, do you have something different, Brian? That you'd be thinking? Uh, well, you you you've completely confused me. So I don't even understand what we're talking about here, and I don't have anything in front of me. Well, his so I don't really know. So I'm going to leave it to I'm going to leave it with what you said, and we'll call her good. <laughs> all right, Tyrone. <laughs> Sorry for all that confusion. I. Yeah, when when your pH is six point eight, we think that's okay. We we don't think that's an issue at all at that point. And then what we would look at though that you didn't send us is the base saturation test. So we'd recommend sending in for a complete Malik test. It doesn't cost much. It's only ten bucks, fifteen bucks, depending on where you send it to. Where you also can see the base saturation of potassium and hydrogen and calcium and sodium. Uh, so you can start comparing what's happening out there and, and where those ratios are at. So that, that would be helpful. It's a little more helpful than just seeing the, the parts per million. Hey, thanks, Tyrone. Really appreciate that. Uh, get this one from, from uh, Tom, and he said, all right, guys, you talk about tank mixes all the time. I understand that you're mixing different chemicals together, but I got a few questions for you about that. Why exactly would you do that? When can you do it? Are there any situations where you couldn't tank mix? And lastly, is there any special procedure or equipment needed to mix the chemicals that you're going to tank mix? Well, yeah, I mean, it all depends on what, what you're putting together. So, yep, there's a lot to it. And I would just say we need a specific question or a specific example, and then we can give you an exact answer. But for the most part, we can put a lot of different things together. What we're concerned about is it's two factors. Number one, do the things mix together okay, or are we going to create sludge in the tank or something like that? And number two, is there massive antagonism? So just for example, when you put Enlist 1, which is the new 2,4-D that has almost no volatility, together with a volunteer corn herbicide, the volunteer corn herbicide just flat out doesn't work very well. And that's what we talk about as antagonism in that the one herbicide hurts the performance of the other herbicide. So those are the two main reasons why we would not tank mix something together. Otherwise, for the most part, yeah, a lot of things can be put together. Yeah, a lot of guys like to save that pass so they can do everything in one shot if they're heading across the field, if those things work well together. Hey, thanks, Tom. Really appreciate the question. And got this one in from Double H who says, I'm wondering about drilling wheat and adding fertilizer at the same time. A lot of guys are doing it with P and K. Could I also do that with ammonium sulfate? Um. Yeah, yeah, I I don't see why you wouldn't be able to do that. 
Yeah, so, some of it comes down to rate so too. I mean, depending on how much sure. fertilizer you're putting out, because right. anytime you're putting it out as yeah. you're drilling, you yeah. want to be a little cautious about that. You don't have so much yeah. fertility right by the seed, but most of the time when guys are putting wheat in, they aren't way overdoing fertility. They don't have a huge budget for that, so that could be okay. Yeah. You know, we do worry about putting too much uh, sulfate really close to seed. Uh, or too right. much nitrogen, nitrogen really close to seed. Yep. So I wouldn't get carried away. Yep. If you have any way to get that a little bit off the seed, so if it's if it's off right where the seed is, so it's not right on it, that would be the best. All right. Yeah, what we do is broadcast our ammonium sulfate. And, you know, when it's nitrogen and sulfur, we don't worry about it getting down into the ground. It'll get down into the ground. It'll work fine. Yeah, and so you don't have... phosphorus, for example, that doesn't move in the soil very well at all so that's why we talk about putting that down deeper yep and uh, you know when you think about ammonium sulfate the ammonium portion and the sulfate portion we don't have the efficiency factor improvement as you band like you do with p and k those things move around in the soil enough that you're fine just broadcasting those so that i agree with you brian that's that's why we've been doing that all right uh next question this comes from larry and you say you guys talk about tiling quite a bit and doing it on your own i'm wondering if there are a couple of top uh, gps drainage plow systems that you might recommend well uh, we we for years have used soil max and then they have the IntelliSlope and then and now that's ag leader that owns all that but you know in terms of the other ones i'm not really sure i just know that there are systems out there now like i say that's the one we've been using uh, ag leader owns it but just talk to a, a few farmers that have systems or even tiling contractors there are certainly uh, farm shows and that kind of thing you can go to to check this stuff out as well but yeah we've been we've been super happy with what we've got thanks for the question larry all right uh this this comment comes in you guys are talking about tillage again thank you we really appreciate your explanation of of why you would do it and how you're making those decisions however if you look on social media you guys have been severely demonized by the leaders of permaculture and no-till uh, and their leaders and followers why are they attacking you whenever you talk tillage well, that's a great question i i wonder that too well, you know, if anybody's passionate about anything, then everything else is the enemy. So if I'm a Minnesota Vikings fan, which I am, then it's really hard to love the Green Bay Packers or the Chicago Bears. So if you're a never-tiller, then it's hard to love the topic of tillage in general. But we kind of look at farming as this. You can be successful in a lot of different tillage systems. I'm not that worried about that. It's just you have to manage it completely differently if you're in no-till versus strip-till versus conventional till. So, I, I, you know, whatever. And people are always going to say uh, they're going to have their opinions out there. We're just trying to help farmers, whether the farmer wants to till or doesn't want to till. We've got plenty of great advice and information for you either way. Yeah, I think this too, Brian, there's a lot of different groups in agriculture, yet we're still a very small community. I mean, the percentage of people in our country that are active farmers is less than 1% of the population. So I, I don't like anything that's divisive. I, I If you want to farm organically, if you want to farm no-till, if you want to farm conventionally, if you want to raise vegetables or if you want to raise grain crops, it doesn't make any difference to me. Or if you're raising livestock, I, you're a farmer, I'm on your side. And there are a lot of different ways to do it. Yep. I know sometimes Brian and I will 
argue about some topic or another on the radio show and Brian feels one way and I feel the other, they might be both good ways and they might both be just fine. I just prefer one over the other and Brian prefers the other one. And, and that's okay. There's a lot of different ways to farm. We can still be successful out in the field and with our livestock. Yep, absolutely. Well, thanks for the comment. We really do appreciate that. And, you know, it's always fun on Farmer Friday getting a chance just to, to talk to people in different parts of the world. Some people uh, we heard a little bit too wet and harvest has been a challenge. Others, uh, like Mark up in Saskatchewan, said, man, it was the worst crop in 20 years. We were so, so dry. Uh, so it, it's kind of good to compare notes and see where everybody's at. Hey, thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.